Welcome to the Cheyenne Vineyard Podcast, bringing you a message of hope for your everyday world. If you'd like to contact us, contact us at info at CheyenneVineyard.com. You can also find out more information about the Cheyenne Vineyard Church at CheyenneVineyard.com. Thank you and enjoy today's podcast. Lord, hear our cries and our prayers and search our heart. Change our heart, oh God, to be more like you. Make us that bride you're coming for. Search us, God. Hear our cries. Amen. Amen. Well, hello, everyone. Some of you might not know me. I'm Ed. Um, Pastor Jay is on a sabbatical. Let's keep praying for him so he can receive from God to bring a message and a vision back to us, what he's going to do, what God's going to do in the next months and years to come. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been seven years, church, since I stood up before anyone. Let's go into prayer before I bring forth the message. Dear Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Come into our presence. Holy Spirit, you speak today. Remove me, my flesh. May my flesh die today to bring forth your word, God, and the word to this church, to this body. Not what I want, but what you want, Lord. Have your way. And may this word that you bring forth Come into our hearts to change our hearts, to open our hearts, open our eyes, open our ears. Fill with the Holy Spirit ears, Holy Spirit eyes, Holy Spirit heart to change us, to be more like you. May this word be like a, a sword just cutting in and, and cleaning, Lord. Filling us with your love and your mercy and your grace. So, Lord, I ask that you speak today, not Ed, but you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We've heard a lot of messages from Pastor Jay, Randy, and a bunch of the other elders. And the message has been, we are the people be in the presence of God and God be in the presence of us. We have heard that we are the bride. We have heard That Jesus is coming. Be, pre be prepared. We've heard repent. And we heard from Randy a week ago or so. He said it's urgent. There's emergency. There's alarm. Church, there's an urgent. This week, I've really been feeling it heavily. During my seeking the Lord for this message, He's really put it on me. Many years, we've heard 2,000 years that Jesus is coming. Coming. And there's people just wait around saying, oh, yes, we hear that, we hear that. 
But you know, when a fire alarm goes off and you're a distance from it, you hear it. 2,000 years we heard it. Alarms going off. But as you get closer and closer towards that alarm or an ambulance is coming down or a fire truck, it gets louder and louder and louder, so loud it's ringing in your ears. It's so loud. We're at that time, church. The alarm's going off. We don't have time. Jesus is calling for his bride. He wants us to be prepared to be that bride. Jay is calling for a solemn assembly. We need to be prepared for that solemn assembly. How do we get prepared? The Lord showed me one day I come up here to prayer and see Pastor Jay. And we were praying. And the Lord showed me my wedding again. But this time, he made me stand there in his feet. And I looked in that vision and I could see my bride coming in through the door. And how much I longed and yearned for her. And how much I wanted to be with her. And knowing all the preparation she took to prepare for that moment and that day. Everything she had to and everything I had to. We had to move things around to fill so that we're coming together. We had to get things thrown out and, and get ready to be one family, one house, one place. But yet I yearned and yearned. I felt Jesus the same way. He's looking at the bride. He's yearning and he sees us coming through the door. He wants us to come in. Come in. But we stop. We stop. We come into the holies of holies when we want to be with our groom so bad. We hear his cry. We hear the alarms, but we stop. Why do we stop? It's right here, church, our self, our selfness. We have this veil we put back up that Jesus has removed. He put this veil back into the place that we decide to back out and crawl back out of the Holy Holies and be in the outer courts because we have a veil of hindrance, a veil of hindrance of ourself. And Jesus wants to remove that, remove ourself. The veil hinders us. The veil is in our hearts and our mind. We need to remove it. We need a broken and a contrite heart. Renew our mind and spirit is the main step key to be prepared. Remove our hindrance. Psalms 130, 139, 23, 24, David said, Search me, O God, and know my heart and try me. And know my thoughts. 
and see if there are any wicked way in me and lead me in the everlasting. Lord, show me in my heart, my selfishness, the number one thing that keeps me away from you, that knowledge that keeps us in the veil, in the hindrance from getting close to you. You know, I've realized that ourselves, we are very clever. We're deceitful in trying to make people think who we really are or not. We sometimes, we deceive ourselves. We're very good. Yet, the Lord wants, us, wants me to teach today out of Psalms 51. The Lord is the one, I'm going to bring forth scripture out of that whole Psalms 51 and lead you to a contrite heart to understand what a contrite heart is. My favorite writers is Max Lucado and A.W. Tozer. And I just die every time I read their books. And A.W. Tozer said, when we go to Psalms 52, he said, this is the deep calling unto deep, a longing heart that understands Today, I'm going to say Psalms 51 is a deep calling into deep, a longing heart, a contrite heart that understands God. It's a heart that God wants. Psalms 51, so I'm going to read out of our basis coming out 16, 17. For thou desirest not a sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in a burnt offering. The sacrifice of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not desire. We got to go and look at David. David was a man after God's heart. He knew God. He loved God so much that he danced for the Lord. He wasn't afraid to dance going to the city. He wasn't afraid to dance. He loved the Lord so much that the Lord was the most important thing on his mind, his heart. He was a warrior of warriors. He was a prayer warrior. He was a songwriter. Half, 73, 73 psalms that David wrote. And everyone that was written, that was prophesied about Jesus Christ, he wrote. How would a man after God's heart could prophesy about Jesus Christ before Jesus Christ came. He loved the Lord so much, it was his life, his heart, his desire. And David messed up. He messed up many times. But this one, he messed up pretty good. He allowed his selfness come out. He allowed his flesh come out. He wasn't thinking of God when he committed adultery with Bathsheba and then had a cover up on it so he could put her husband out in the front lines to die because he didn't want people to know she's pregnant. He's carrying her child. He had to cover lies after lies, cover up himself. And he grieved God and he knew it. And then Nathaniel came and said, David, God said, this is you. 
And Nathaniel told him what God said and said that you are going to pay for this. Your consequences is your son's going to take over the kingdom on you and, and do all this stuff to you. And you know, the heart that David had, he was king. No one could come against the king. No one could say, I'm the king. You have no right to come accuse me. Who are you? What you're saying is lies. Because if this is true, the whole kingdom's going to know, and all the enemies are going to know about it. But no. David cried, went down before the Lord. He knew he had grieved God. And he cried, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercy, blot out my transgression. See, David appeals to God for his mercy. Crying for his mercy heart. The song we sang today, God's mercy, mercy, as far as the sea, if I quoted that right. And David knew that mercy. So he cried out for that mercy, for a pardon of sin. Must an act of pure mercy. His sin was so great that he went to the root of the heart and the mind. He knew God's infant tender mercy and loving kindness to blot out my sin, he says, that could not be forgiven by any sacrifice. If we go to the Old Testament, the old lies, adultery and killing, there was no sacrifice for those sins. If you commit adultery, they still do it, the Muslims do it, they kill the person, they stone them to death. If you kill someone, they do the same. But yet, David cried for this mercy, the mercy of the God he loved. Then he says, wash me thoroughly from my inequity and cleanse me from my sin. David is asking a deep washing, a purify my completeness through the cleansing See, he's not asking God to remove the consequences of his sin. He's going straight to the sin, his problem, his self, the hindrance. He is sick of the sin, and he cries out against it with that the evil of his transgression and not against the pain of consequence. You know, pain of consequence. He understood that God had pain when we sin. He understood probably that Jesus Christ stood on that cross and had pain in the flesh and pain in the spirit because of sin. He understood probably that God looked away from Jesus as he hung on that cross. That pain You know, when we deal seriously with our sin, God will deal gently with us. 
When we have a Lord that hates sin and we love the Lord so much, shouldn't we hate sin? And I'm not going to go on this again about this sin, hating sin, because the sin isn't just your own sin. It's the sin of my brothers and my sisters or my lost. I should have pain and care for their sin. Not that I can change them, but I should care. Then David says, for I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. He sees his sins and confesses it. He throws himself on God's mercy. Not yet asking for his forgiveness yet, but he's confessing in his sin. It oppresses his spirit. He lays it before the Lord. He throws it out, Lord. Here, here. Take it away here. I don't want it. I don't want to do this no more. I don't want to sin no more. But he knows God's mercy and love and grace. Then he says, against thee, against thee, against you, God, only you, I have sinned and done this evil in thy sight. And thou mightest be justified when thou speak and be clear when thou judge. Now he's crying out to God that he has sinned against God. We sin against God. We might hurt people when we do our sin. We might cause pain and troubles with other people when we sin. But the sole thing that David knew, yes, he had Bathsheba's white husband die. Yes, he committed adultery. Yes, he's done some big consequences from the sin and hurt other people. But he knew he sinned against God. It's against God. It's not against anyone else but God. He knew nothing he could hide from God because God can see everything. He acknowledged his sin and guilt. He did not seek apologies or vindicate it or to cover it up. He didn't blame anyone but himself, knowing he deserved a sentence of the consequence of his sin. The next, I'm skipping to verse 6. Behold, Thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. You know, God doesn't look on our outside. It doesn't even matter if we ever take baths. He doesn't look on the outside. He doesn't matter if we stink. He doesn't look on our outside. He looks on the inside. He looks in our mind. He looks in our heart and our spirit. See, the heart of that truly holiness of God is rightly judged, judges the uttermost importance character in and over in our action. I mean, if our action 
that lies in the motive of the action. If I could say that right, our motive in our heart is the cause we do our action, and that's what God's looking at, the motive in our heart. We need to get rid of self. So our motive is for God. The Holy Spirit moves in our hearts. And you know he puts the laws in our hearts. And he reveals Christ in us. That is essential wisdom, is Christ in us. And the fear of the Lord is wisdom. You know, I think David knew the essential wisdom when he said that. He, I believe he knew Christ. Then David says, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Hyssop was a branch that they used to... Uh, dip the blood, the branch into the blood. And in Egypt, it's the same branch they wiped across the door. And he's saying, purge me with hyssop. He's saying, sprinkle me with that blood. He understood that he had to be cleaned by the blood. And he knew it was an animal blood. He wanted to be cleansed from the true blood. He wanted his sins to be blotted out. He wanted it to go, the sin he had done. He wanted to be cleansed through the blood of Christ, the purification. Then he says, make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which has broken may rejoice He's asking for God's joy. He wants to hear God's joy and gladness. Not ours. His, his, his heart is crushed. His bones are crushed. His spirit is crushed. But he wants to hear God's joy and gladness. Then he tells him, don't hide thy face from my, hide thy face from my sins. He doesn't want God to look on this sin. He wants it blotted out. Now he's asking forgiveness. Blot it out. Take it away. Forgive me. Now change me. See, the turning point of this is going to now. He has confessed his sins. He's cried out for the mercy of God. He says, make me clean. Wash me. Sprinkle me with your blood. Cleanse. Change my heart. Change this man, this flesh, the selfishness, the selfness, this veil from me. Change my mind. Renew my mind. Change my heart. He cries out, create in, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Before we can have a contrite heart and to understand we need a clean heart 
a clean heart and renew spirit. Renew spirit. And I'm going to pull out the word Hebrew here, clean, is kadash, renew. I mean, sorry, it's pure. Renew means kadash, renew and repair, rebuild. David's asking for, to create a pure, clean heart and to rebuild his mind. The word spirit, there's mind. To rebuild his mind, renew his mind. And you know, how do we rebuild a house? Or how do we renew or remodel a house or room? Do we leave everything in there? I mean, one day you come home and you say, man, that's an old couch. I don't want that in there no more. I don't want that wall painted this color no more. I want to tear this out. Um, I want to move this over here. I want to tear, do this, and I want to change this. I want, I want to do all this stuff because you want something new, but you still have the foundation in there. We still have the foundation in our mind. And he knew that, but he wants to rebuild and rebuild a new mind from God because when we clear every garbage out, he brings in the best. He brings it in. He starts building and if we remove our selfness, that veil of hindrance, he's able to start building, renewing, creating a new heart, a new mind, a new spirit. Isn't it awesome if we just let him do that? He can remove all the junk. For us to have God to renovate our mind, we have to allow him to remove the veil of selfness, the hindrance, and have him remove all the junk, our sinful thoughts, everything that hinders us from having an intimate relationship with our Lord Jesus Christ, to become the bride, that bride that he's longing for, that he's waiting for us. We give full control to receive the Holy Spirit's fullness, that fullness that, that Jay and and Randy's been talking this fullness. We want the fullness. We want the whole thing. We want it all in us. We don't want to wait for that day, that urgent day. Let's have it now. And David realized what a man thinks is what is in his heart. Matthew 15, verse 18. You see... Church, our minds, our ears, our eyes are an antenna. What we see, what we hear, goes into our minds, and then it filters into our hearts. What we watch on TV goes into our, eye, our eyes, our ears. Where's it going? It's filtering here. And it filters here. Whatever we do, garbage in, garbage out. See, part of our hindrance is our bondage or our, our stuck of things that we do. Like football. I mean, I'm right there with Randy said. I was a big football player that loved it. And every Sunday morning, I would get up, put the VCR in, Check the time. Oh, 10 o'clock. 
okay. And I made sure that lasted 30 minutes after. Back then, I didn't have a cell phone. You know, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have the internet where you go look on, we get home, and people would call you, oh, did you see that game? Because the only phone I had was a home phone, a landline. And then we get home from church, and I would watch that game. Everyone get away. Go play, kids. Get out of here. Leave me alone. I watched that game, and knowing I got to go back at 6 o'clock to church, and my father game's coming on. Oh, I'm missing my game. So I put the VCR back in, set the time. So when I come home from church, go to bed, kids. Good night. Love you. Here we go. Goodbye, honey. Garbage in. Garbage out. You know, I'm going to say some. My wife told me I could share this. We get addicted. She got addicted to Xbox. Wow, it's just a game, you guys. Garbage in, garbage out. Through the mind, through the heart. Pushing people away. Our pride is another one. The lust is another one. Another thing's bad today is the internet's so big. Pornography. Garbage in. Garbage out. We need to renew our minds. Judgment. We're bad at judgment. Anger. With sin in it. Gossip. And I could go on and on. And we all know in our mind, in our heart, that we have certain problems. We have this veil that we need to change. We need to remove so we can get closer, so we can walk into that holy holy, so we can go press close, we can have that intimate relationship. Romans 12, 12. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, a holy acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Even Paul said it. That we present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God and to transform by the renewing, rebuilding, renovating of your mind. I'm not saying we can't go fishing. We can't say we can't do certain things. But when we put things in front of God before we go to God, and put this more important. We're becoming, our mind's becoming that veil, that hindrance, so we can't walk with him. He's more important. I sat and watched football. There's times God wanted me to pray. I sat and watched football. You know, those people that God wanted me to pray for, I have, I have to ask God, you know, forgive me. I sat and watched football. Those people probably was hurt. He gave me names to pray for. But no, football is more important. Get rid of this. 
In Hebrews 10, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws into their hearts and in their minds. I'll write them. God put the laws in our heart. His, that freedom of love. He's put it here when Christ died and rose. And he's put it in our minds. When we read his word, it goes in our mind and it goes in our heart. See, David is asked not to take the Holy Spirit from him. He knew the Holy Spirit. He knew because he danced in the Spirit. He knew the Holy Spirit when it came upon him. He loved the Holy Spirit. He was so intimate with it that he saw what happens when the Holy Spirit would leave. He saw what happened to Saul when the Holy Spirit left. He didn't want that to happen because he knew the Holy Spirit would renew his mind, his heart. And you wonder, some of us think that how do we have the Holy Spirit withdraw? We quench it with the veil. We start letting our flesh take control and our, our selfness. The Holy Spirit draws back. He convicts us, but he draws back because we're only concentrating upon who? Myself. Myself, not his. See, David was willing to give up anything to be forgiven. Anything. He knew the only sacrifice he could give to God was a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Broken, crushed heart humbles to true sorrow for sin. You see, a broken, contrite means crushed. You see, when you have a broken, crushed heart that humbles to sorrow of sin, it's the heart that God looks upon. For Psalms 34, 18, David says there, the Lord is near to the broken heart and it saves the crushed spirit. Church, the crushed, contrite heart is more than, it's what God wants. A contrite heart is a sacrifice which God values and desires. A total sacrifice of self. A removing of the veil of selflessness. A true commitment to God. You know, I've learned that commitment comes from a compassion and compassion comes from a broken, contrite heart. I'll repeat that. I learned commitment comes from compassion. 
and compassion comes. Thank you. Compassion comes from a broken heart, contrite heart. We can make no atonement for our sins. We can feel no duty that can accept, accept it as a counterpiece for our transgressions. A spiritual breaking within itself, a heart that is pliable, and I'll say this, pliable means able to bend, supply enough to bend freely. So it's a heart that's supplyable enough to bend freely to the word of God. To the word of God. It's patient under the rod of God. It's a heart that's subdued and humbled and brought into obedience. It's a heart that is tender, that receives the wisdom of God, his word. It's a nourish a sorrow that is deep and persistent that Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will renew a right spirit. I say it's the deepest sorrow, the true sincere of grief for sin. For sin. Truth grief for sin. And I'm saying it's not just your sin. It's our brothers, it's our sisters, it's our lost. We should grieve for the sin. Randy said, I think I heard him say that, a preacher had cried and cried and cried. And they asked him, why did you cry? Because you won't cry, he said. And it's because our sin, we should be crying for our sin. We should cry for our brothers. We should be crying for our lives. We should be feeling the pain that Jesus has for them, that sin. I knew a man long time ago in Pocatello. His wife and the worship leader had an affair. And that man would always go in at night at the church and pray and cry out for them. And he would cry. And he wouldn't be crying that God do something to them. He didn't cry that, you know, God punish them, take care of them. No, he cried out their sin. Their sin. And he felt what God felt, that sin. And he cried. And then one day, in service, he was sitting in the back. A worship leader was sitting down in the second pew in the front. And he, he got back from the back and he walked all the way down to that guy. And the guy's sitting down, not worshiping. And he's crying. And he puts his arm around him, pulls him in, and says, I love you. I forgive you. And I forgive her. But I love you. And Jesus forgives you. That's love. That's crying and carrying the pain of sin for someone else. 
That's what Jesus did upon that cross. He was crying. It's a constant deep love for God with boundless faith in our Lord Jesus. Forgiving grace and mercy, that mercy again. With mighty inspiration of the Holy Spirit, the comforter breathes into the broken heart. The healing, the peace, hope, trust, faith, joy, love, grace and mercy and thankfulness. He breathes it in. He breathes it into your heart. The breaking of our hearts for sin is a sacrifice of the knowledge of Christ. A sacrifice for God, for him, is offered up not to pampering of our flesh, but the dying of the flesh. A broken heart, spirit always prays deeper. Because you know there's love and you have love for people. No matter if they come against you. Because I have a thorn in my side, church. And that anger comes up and I have to learn to humble from that thorn that's in my side. Every day, You cry out more to God, and it does stay deeper and deeper and deeper. Deep cries out deep. How many times we sing that song? Beautiful song. Understand deep cries out deep. You know, if God was moved by a contrite heart when David cried out, how much more is he going to move that we have Jesus Christ that died upon that cross? to forgive our sins, that we could have everlasting life. How much more? How much more is Jesus worth to you? You know, Jesus had a contrite heart, I said. But when he walked to the Garden of Gethsemane, his heart was crushed. His heart was crushed. He understands. Remember, a broken heart brings compassion, and compassion brings forth commitment. Commitment comes with compassion. Compassion comes with a broken, contrite heart. Having a contrite heart, renewing your spirit, your love for Jesus, and come into the, into the fullness of him. Your love will grow so strong, church, it grows so strong that you just want to lay your head upon Jesus' chest like John did. Your, your, your love just grows so in that passion and love and desire for intimate relationship. It'll grow, and, and when people says things to you, it won't even bother you. 
When, when people come against you, you let that love grow so strong for that intimate relationship to be that bride. It's an awesome. We can have it today. Don't wait for tomorrow. He's calling his bride. This is what I have said before the Lord. Your love will burn with will burn with you as a sweet as honey, a holy love of madness flowing from your lips to the like, molten gold. Isn't that awesome? His love? Church, we're the bride, and I say this again. We need to be prepared we need to remove ourselves. We need this contrite heart to be ready for assembly of prayer. We need to be ready for Jesus to come. We got to be. We hear his calling. We hear the urgency. We need a relationship, an intimate relationship, because when it's in fire, it's inside us. The fire and the holiness and the love and the grace, it flows right out of us. We need a fullness in, a fullness out. So when we are filled with this, we go out. We can go out and reach the lost. We can go out and bring the word. We go out and we might be judged and brought before judges. Days coming that we're going to get persecuted. The United States is going to get persecuted, us Christians. We need that love, that fire, so we can reach. Today is the day for a contrite heart. Don't wait for tomorrow. With that contrite heart, I can say this. Jay said something about with the fullness that we could command the principalities in the second heaven, in the spiritual realm, because you got that fullness, that contriteness, that selfness is removed then those principalities cannot come against you and say, hey, I see your sin. No, you don't, because I have the fullness of Christ, and the blood has washed me. You have no power over me. So get out of here, you principality of Cheyenne. Get out of here. You have no authority. You have that authority. You get the fullness. I was praying for a week and fasting. Fasting. And I'm seeking for this because I read this, this scripture years ago. And I wanted this from God. And I desired this relationship. I wanted a heart like David. I wanted to be like John to lay my head on Jesus' chest. I wanted to cry on Jesus. And I was praying and I was fasting. And then... I was in heaven. I was standing in heaven, not knowing if I'm out of the body or in the body, but I was in heaven. And I looked, and I saw the throne. And as I was looking, that train, that must what Isaiah is talking about, it came and it covered the throne. And I was so excited. And then, out of the right side, of where I could have saw part of the throne. Our Lord, our Savior, our Jesus, my God, my love of my life came walking to me. And I was just 
in awe. I was so in awe that I didn't know what to say besides being so excited that, man, this is, he's here, I can see him. Oh, and people ask, what do you look like? Long hair, <laughs> beard. But that was the point. He talked to me. He told me many things, but I explained to Jay, it's like a book, he just closed it and brings the, learns forth at times. But the one thing he made sure I remembered, I remembered, he said, I'm coming soon. I'm coming soon. Prepare yourself for me. You're my bride. He's coming soon. Prepare, church. Let's be that bride he wants. Let's get the fullness that, that we have heard and preached. Let's get this ugliness, this, this veil, this hindrance out of us. This is what Jesus was telling me. Prepare. I wanted an intimate relationship with you, Jesus. This is what he's telling me. Prepare. Because if I'm prepared, people around me is going to get Prepared. Because they're going to see that fullness, that spirit, the love of God and Christ coming in and going out, in, out. And I'm able to walk into the holy, holies and stay in the holies and push closer and closer. That's why I love to worship. That's why I love to dance. I'm going to close. But I've got to remind you, today's the day. Don't wait tomorrow. Let's change today. Let's get ready. Let's get ready for the assembly that's come that Jay wants. And let's get ready for all the messages he's going to bring and Randy brings. Let's get ready. Let's get our ears and our eyes ready the Holy Spirit so we can hear these words, get the wisdom, get more closer, and then take it from here to the city. Take it from here. I'm taking it to the youth. Yes. Our youth are going to be on fire, church. They're going to know Jesus. I have this, uh, this little uh, poem deal I uh, found. And I don't know who wrote it. And, you know, it doesn't matter. It says, he is coming as the bridegroom. Coming to unfold at last the great secret of his purpose, his mystery of the ages past. And the bride to hear a bride, glasses, <laughs> a bride. And the bride to her is granted in his beauty there to shine. She exclaimeth, I am his. And his, he is mine. Oh, the joy that marriage union will be. Well, mystery of love divine. Sweet to sing in all its fullness. I am his and he is mine. All right, church. Let's repeat this part. I am Jesus and Jesus is mine. Will you join me say that? I am Jesus 
And Jesus is mine. We're his bride. So as we close, let's go into prayer and let's search for that contrite heart. And if you want to come down here and pray, that's fine. And the prayer team will be here to pray with you if you have anything. And if you don't know Jesus Christ today, I say don't wait. Don't wait. Because tomorrow might never come. Charles Finney and and all the great evangelists during the 1800s knew and spoke it. And they told many, accept him today. Accept Jesus today. Because he loves you. So dear Lord, search our heart, Lord. Open our mind and our heart that we could be more like you. Lord, we invite you in to do a renewal of our heart and our mind and spirit. Renew it, almighty God. Remove the junk out of us. Remove our selfness out, mighty God. We surrender to you that we ask you to have full control that we can come forward and have an intimate relationship with you, Lord. A one that we could have now and don't have to wait for your coming, but to still give us the eager and waiting and wanting you to come. But cleanse our heart, cleanse our mind, remove the sins, the bondages. Give us the strength to overcome them. Remove that veil of selfishness, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's have joy. Jesus is coming back. We're his bride. Amen.